The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. First um, Samuel chapter 16, if you have your Bibles, turn uh, to that uh, particular place. And uh, it is the crux of First Samuel, especially verses 13 and 14. We see that David is chosen and the spirit of God comes on him in power and it departs from Saul. And so, man, it's like, like this is like the middle of the, of the story. And so when we look at Israel, they got what they wanted in Saul. Like when Saul came into the pictures, it meant give us a king like all the other nations. That's what we want. And that's exactly what they got. They got a king whose heart was not after the Lord, but was like all the other nations. And in David, they got what they needed. So thank the Lord there is grace that a lot of times we get what we want, but it's not really what we need. But he comes through for us and he gives us exactly what we need. And so this chapter is not so much about Sam and Dave as it is about the Lord. And so as we look at it, the characters that are playing the primary role are the prophet Samuel and David, um, who was a young man at this time and, and is really a nobody And it's about him getting anointed as king. And nobody knows it yet. It's about something that happens just kind of in his family and with David and through the prophet. And so we see that unfolding. And so what we see is really a story about God and about how he functions and works um, in, in the world itself. And so it portrays God's infinite superiority over all things human. Like God is superior over everything. Um, in this moment, as the, the word is going forth, that God is sovereign and superior in this moment. In all of our circumstances, he is sovereign and superior. It doesn't matter um, who is leading in any type of position. God is superior to all human activity. And so I'm reminded of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 28 through 31. Paul tells us this, and, and this is encouraging Uh, To me, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I think it was the prophet Jeremiah um, says, and Paul is kind of reflecting on that passage when he writes this in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. um, He says, Jeremiah, I believe, is the one who says, if a man wants to boast, let him boast of this, that he knows and understands the Lord. Like, man, that's where we need to be, is we need to be in a position where we know and we understand the Lord. And that doesn't mean that we understand how the Lord works in every situation, that we don't understand, like, why he does something or understand everything about the, uh, the entire, like, like there's, it's impossible for us to take in the entire, like, dimension or, or idea of who God, all that he encompasses. But we can know and understand him personally and intimately, and that is the gospel message. And so, like, here, 
here Paul is saying, man, God chooses the despised and the lowly things of the world to confound the things um, that are you know, elevated and, and, and in a high position. He, he chooses the things that are not to nullify the things that are. And what that says is that, man, he takes people like us that are broken and he does a work in our lives through his grace as he adopts us into the family of God. Then we become spiritual family with one another and he uses us to accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish. And so if we're going to boast about something, that's the thing we should be boasting about, that we know and understand the Lord. And I'm thankful that I can stand before you today and I can boast about that. Like, I know the Lord. I understand the Lord. I understand how he works. I see him at work in my life. And as I'm living my life out on a daily basis and watching him work, I can see that I know him. I understand that he's moving and I recognize how he's moving in and around and through me. And so when we look at this passage, it's very encouraging. And and so I say that um, with all of that being said, there is no doubt that sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do in order to get what we need. And that's how God works. Sometimes we have to engage in things we don't want in order to get what we need. And so the power of the Lord is what we need. Like the Lord said, man, I'm going to give you the dunamis is the Greek word that is used that uh, we see in the New Testament. It's power. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to bestow that upon you. I'm going to shed um, the good news of the gospel upon the planet. And when it comes over you and you receive my sacrifice, Jesus said, I am the Paschal lamb. I am the Passover lamb. I am the sacrifice official, unblemished lamb, the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so the gospel is, the good news is that we can be forgiven of our sin. And when we receive that and the Lord does a work in our lives, then we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And we begin to walk in that power. We begin to walk in that authority. And so that's what we need in order to do what the Lord has asked us to do. And what is the, what is the thing the Lord has asked us to do? Be a disciple and make a disciple. Like, that's it, man. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Sure, we got work to do. We got careers that we, we manage. But in the midst of all of life that's going on, because the, the, the early disciples had to do the same thing. That's the mission of the church. Like, go out and be a disciple that is bearing fruit and, and, and in your own life and is reproducing your life and you see other disciples being made. John chapter 15, Jesus says, the only way to do that is to abide in him. Why? Because he is the power. And so as we rest in him and we seek to uh, sit with him, the power of the Lord comes over us and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is growing in us and our lives get multiplied into other lives and we, we make disciples. And so we look at it and we go, man, the, the power of the Lord is what we need. And so the, um, this teaches us in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, it teaches us how it comes. We see it uh, coming in the life of David and we see it functioning through the mission that Samuel was called to. And so when we look in the Old Testament, um, a lot of times people go, man, the Old Testament, that was, that was for a different time. The Old Testament is just as applicable as the New Testament is today. Sure, things have shifted and we're under a different covenant. We're not under the covenant of the law any longer. We're under the covenant of grace. 
But we see in all of these Old Testament narratives, we see the gospel message working its way out through people in preparation for the coming of the Messiah, teaching the world that there was a great need for a paschal lamb, a human that was perfect that would take away the sin of the world. And so in David um, and other characters of the Old Testament, Moses, we see types of Christ. Does that mean that they're Christ? No. It just means like it's, it's, it's called typology. And we see um, in the Old Testament, we see Jesus being manifested in the lives of other people. And so what, what is the gospel message? Jesus is going to be manifested in me. Like he's going to move into my life. He's gonna, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? The third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so it is the same God in the Old Testament that is showing up in my life in the New Testament. And so I know and I get that we, we, we are taught um, things about like the wrath side of God and the holy side of God in the Old Testament. And they're much more graphic, even like last week when we saw about the destruction of the Amalekites. And some of it is not as palatable for us as uh, the New Testament that talks so much about grace. But, but it's all the same Lord. And so we see the grace of God and the, and the holiness of God. And we see all of that coming together in these characters. But in the New Testament... It's not just the Jew, and it's not just the prophet. It's everybody. Like we're grafted in, the Gentile is grafted into the holy nation of God. Like we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, Peter tells us. And so we, we are part of this thing that God is doing. And so when we look at David's life, we look at Samuel's life, and we see that God is being manifested in their lives, we see a type of Christ in them. Then when people look at Jimmy Holbrook, they ought to see a type of Christ. When people look at you, they ought to see a type of Christ. They ought to be able to see a picture of Jesus by looking at our lives. And again, that is the mission of the church, is to go and make disciples. How do we make disciples? Well, first of all, people ought to be able to look at our lives and go, that's something I want right there. I need that. That's something that, that is missing in my life that I see clearly that this individual is living in a different way than I am. And not just because they're trying to follow rules, there is literally life pouring out of them. What is it that they're seeing that they recognize they're missing? It is the spirit of God in us bearing fruit. And so like it is so necessary for us to have that power running through us. And so 1 Samuel chapter 16 is so encouraging, and I want to share it with you today. We're just going to go through it. And, and I've taught you this before, but I, I come back to it over and over, and I just keep seeing more rich stuff. And, and so here we are in the fall of Saul at 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Samuel. Now remember, Samuel, in our, in our last week, we just learned that he had to deliver the hard news to Saul. And it says that he mourned for him. Like he mourned. That Saul didn't listen to the Lord. That Saul was disobedient and trying to pave his own way and trying to write his own truth and didn't want to recognize the authority of the word of God that came through the prophet in his own life. And this is where people, like, this is what happens in our world today is that people, they come up against the authority of scripture and they want to change it and say, well, I know that that's what you're saying, but there are other people who say this. And so we kind of jump and, and people are guilty of making this leap and finding a place where they can what? Feel comfortable and cozy. 
But that's not what we're supposed to do. What we're supposed to do is come to the word of God and not be like Saul who changed it and had partial obedience, but that we have full obedience and we yield to that authority and we step into it. And when we step into it, we see that the Lord starts to move and roll in our lives. And so Samuel like bears the news. He gives the news to Saul and Saul has not been obedient to the authority of the word of God in his life. As I taught you that the prophet was representative or indicative of the, the, um, the word of God. God for us. It is the prophet in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, reminding us what the word says, illuminating for us, like that, that, that illumination. It's like turning the lights on. It's so that a friend of mine says this, it started to be really sticky for me. The veil comes down and you see clearly what's happening. And Paul says that, that the veil would fall, man. We, we got to have that veil that he talks about in 1 Corinthians, that it falls and we can see clearly what the Lord is wanting to do in our lives. And so when, when, when that doesn't happen for Saul, Samuel mourns like he's broken. He loves Saul. And as I shared with you guys last week, man, I know that. I know that. And the more that you try to intentionally disciple people, the more you will mourn over those people. Like they don't, they don't want to step into that freedom because quite frankly, it's, it's frightening. And so when that separation takes place, you mourn and it hurts. And so here, that's where Samuel is at in this story is he's mourning and look at what, the, and we don't know exactly the time, how much time elapsed between um, the end of chapter 15 and the beginning of chapter 16. But the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? You know what he says? Stop mourning about that. He doesn't have that position anymore. How long are you going to mourn there? And so when he says that, then he, the next thing he says is, uh, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Like, I got a plan, man. It's Samuel, like, how long are you going to sit there? Get up, fill your horn with oil, and go to Jesse. I have a plan that I need you to be a part of. And so Samuel said, how can I go? Like, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. Now that's like, that's not, I think there's some wisdom there. This guy has delivered the news. You're not going to be the king anymore. But everybody knew and everybody was following Samuel. You see, Samuel was the first prophet after a long line of judges. Samuel was the last judge and he was a prophet. And so he carried the power and the leadership of the nation of Israel as they were becoming this nation of God that did not exist as they you know, were living out historically, giving us a glimpse of what God is like. And we could study the, na the nation of Israel and, and learn a lot about what God is like. And so Samuel, like he is, he is the man. And, and so when, that, when, that, when, when he would go and do something, Paul, or Paul, Saul is he's off his rocker, man. He, first of all, he's not following the Lord, and so he gets more and more irrational. He's not accepting the authority of God in his life, so he gets more and more irrational. He's making decisions that are apart from the Lord, but he's trying to still look like he is following Lord, the Lord because whose nation is it anyway? It is God's nation. 
And so that's what separated the Jews from all the other uh, nations is they were monotheistic. All these other nations were polytheistic and they were worshiping all kinds of different gods. But Israel was this one God um, that, that Abraham had made a promise to and they were worshiping him. And so King Saul was a part of that nation and no doubt he was appearing to look like he was worshiping the same God, but he was masking it. He was a hypocrite and he wasn't living according to the truth of the authority of the word of God in his life. And so as he was living that way, um, you have um, Samuel who um, is, 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 is purely or, or, or surely, I should say, following the Lord, following the instruction of the Lord, carries the weight of that because one of the tests of prophecy is when a prophet made a prophet, uh, he prophesied something, the test of prophecy was, did what he prophesied come to pass? And so like if it didn't, then we go, this is, a pro- this is a false prophet. You couldn't trust him. And so Samuel certainly had made prophecies and they were coming to pass. He carried authority in his life. Even from a very young age when he was called as a child and the, he heard the ver- voice of the Lord. What was unique about Samuel is he could hear the voice of the Lord. Again, we look at the New Testament. What is, what is the gospel message? We can all hear the voice of the Lord. And so when he is called to go and choose another king, guess what Saul knows? He's, gonna, he's, he's looking for my replacement. And so a guy who is drunk on power and position will destroy you in order to protect his power and his position because his identity is all wrapped up in that, not the Lord. And that's why when we are at work and we're trying to live out our faith in a person who is really messed up in their identity, it can be difficult for us as believers as we were trying to walk in the identity of coming from the Lord and we're walking that out and, 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 and another person is not, it, it's difficult for us. But we need to understand this is what's going on in their lives and we need to try to be an example for them and live out and be faithful to what the Lord is calling us to do. And so Sam is concerned that Saul is going to try to kill him when he hears that he's going um, into Bethlehem. But, and so the Lord said, well, here's what you do. Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. And so he says to him, listen, I get it. I get it that you're a little nervous about this. You're, being, you're not being unreasonable here. Man, I love this. You're talking to the Lord and he's nervous. And the Lord is recognizing, okay, I know how you're made. I made you. I realize why you got some anxiety going on down there, Sam. Let me tell you how you go about this. And he gives him some revelation. He says, take a heifer and just like you would normally be doing, be on your way and, and, and go and and make this sacrifice. And nobody's going to think you're doing anything different than what I've called you to do. You don't have to announce, hey, I'm coming in to choose Saul's replacement. You're on a mission for me. And you don't have to tell everybody exactly all the details of that mission, but I do need you to go on this mission. It is a divine mission, and, and I want you to uh, set out on that mission. And so that's what takes place. And, and so as Samuel, um, it says in verse 4 that Samuel did what the Lord said. So you just imagine a guy walking down the road and he's leading a heifer. Like, here he goes. And as he's making his way into town, when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. (laughs) That's some power right there rolling out of this dude's life. And they ask, do you come in peace? And what's going on there? Well, often 
when a prophet would come into town, sometimes if he was making a sacrifice, he would come and he would execute judgment because somebody may have been guilty of doing something like committing a murder. And judgment was about to fall in that town. And so they knew that, man, he was coming. He was a representative of of the Lord. He was coming in power. He was coming in demonstration of the Spirit. And so they asked him, do you come in peace? Like, is everything okay? And there was a tremendous amount of uh, respect for him. And Samuel replied, yes, in peace, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and invited them to the sacrifice. And so Jesse is David's father. And, um, and so he has, uh, David has seven brothers. So there's a family of eight. And so when you look at my family and you think I'm crazy for having five, I'm just being more biblical than you are. <laughs> he said, well, I don't have eight. I'm not having eight either. <laughs> when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And so like, he's like, man, like Eliab is a tall dude. He's like the, uh, you know, he's, he's probably like uh, from down under, six foot four and full of muscle, right? Okay. Some of you got it. That was a minute work reference. Uh, and, so like, and so the Lord, like he says, do not consider, like Sam sees him and he's like, this is the dude. Like, look at this guy. He's tall. Like, I, I mean, I, and Sam saw him and said, man, I, I could look up to that dude. Like, he's a good looking dude. And he, he looks like he, he, he's the one. He's the oldest of all the brothers. And so the Lord says, Do not look at the things. He says, I have rejected. He says, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord, (laughs) come on. The Lord looks at the heart. Man looks at everything on the outside, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then Jesse called Abinadab. Well, it ain't number one. Let's get number two out here. He had impasse in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. And so like Samuel's scratching his head now. Like we're out of people. And so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Because I know the Lord said to come to your house. And so Jesse says, well, they're still the youngest. Jesse answered, but he's out tending the sheep. And Samuel said, sin for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sinned and had him brought in. And he was ruddy. And that means like he either had um, reddish type hair or a very fair complexion. Probably the latter. He's a fair complexion with a fine appearance and, and handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Now, I just want you to think about this for a minute. David is out taking care of sheep. 
somebody, one of his brothers comes and says, hey, bro, man, you need to come on back to the house. Dad's calling for you. He's like, okay. And he shows up like a little brother would ever show up. And he doesn't know what's going on. He's just doing his thing. He walks in the door. The Lord says to Samuel, that's the one. And all of a sudden, Samuel breaks out a horn of oil, starts praying over this guy and pouring oil over his head and says, the Lord has chosen you. And so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And then Samuel went to Ramah. And so like he was, he was kind of done with his ministry at that point. And so we see the spirit of the Lord in verse 13 coming upon David in power. Like, this, this, like a, it, was a, it was a manifestation of the spirit that shifted in his life. The spirit of the Lord was already with him because we know he had a heart after God. The scripture has taught us that, that God was going to choose someone that was better than Saul. And what made them better was their heart was directed and postured toward the things of the Lord and the authority of the Lord. Saul... Like it wasn't their performance. And that's where people get so mixed up in the kingdom. It's not the performance that made David better. It was the posture of his heart. And it's not your performance that will make you better and the Lord choosing you over someone else. It is the posture of your heart. Like everything about what David had accomplished to this point in his life was nothing. He's just out caring for the sheep. What did I say that I I was reminded of in 1 Corinthians? God chooses the lowly things. God chooses the despised things of the world to confound and and put away with the things that are. He uses this type of stuff. And so it's very encouraging to me. And David has this experience. And so there's all kinds of enlightening stuff in this passage that I want to share with you. Just a few of things that you could take away that I think will help you as you're on your journey with the Lord and going, okay, Like there's no doubt if you're a believer in Jesus and you have accepted the gospel into your life, there is a call on your life. What is the call? It is the call for every believer. It is not different. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Like Jesus says, all authority is given to me and I am with you. And so to help you do what? To go and make disciples. And so there's a call of the Lord on your life. If you know him, you can't get away from it. Like, like you cannot get away from the truth of the statement that Jesus says. It's the last thing he says to his disciples in all of the appearances before he ascends and they're there on the mountain and he has them and he says, this is what I've been preparing you for all this time. This is why I died on the cross. Um, this is what I mean when I talk about kingdom. And so here, here is, here's the encouraging stuff I want to share with you. Sometimes you need to move when you don't want to move, okay? Like, when it comes to the Lord, how long, Sam, are you gonna sit there? It's time to move. Stop mourning. How long are you gonna stay in that position? And so he says, be on your way. And so you may be in a place in your life that right now that you're in a place of mourning over something, and you need to be on your way. This can manifest itself in several different ways. Sometimes we need to be on our way And one of the things that I find, even after years of following the Lord, one of the most difficult things to do is to speak the truth in love. Yet, Ephesians calls us to do that. We are to speak the truth in love. So sometimes we have to come up to a brother or sister and we have to lean into them and speak the truth in love. And it's a very difficult thing to do. And what will happen is because it's difficult and because we're human, me- human beings, we will fear the rejection of the truth that is spoken in love. 
And so since we fear the rejection, we, are, we know it's going to feel like a rejection of, our, uh, of ourselves being rejected, when in essence, it's a really a rejection of what the Lord is trying to do in a person. And so we fear it, and so we, we begin to mourn over it, and we hold on to it, and we become disobedient when the Lord is asking us to speak the truth in love, to step into this. And so it hangs over our head like a dark cloud. Like I know this like personally from as recent as um, this month, this last, this month, I, I had to step in and speak some truth and love and I hate it. Why do I hate it? The reason that I hate it is because I like to keep Jimmy on the throne sometimes and Jesus is calling me to be obedient in it. And I was amazed by as I stepped into it and said, you know what? I'm just going to listen to the Lord. I know this needs, like I can clearly recognize. How can I recognize that this is the truth? How can I recognize that this needs to be spoken? Because I know the word. And I know as I'm talking and praying and, and the Lord is showing me things. And I'm looking at, at the person and going, okay, man, like what's going on in your life here? And I have to kind of lean in. And, and when I do that, I can always recognize that it is the word that is directing me in that. And so I have to speak the truth in that moment. But because of humanness, I don't want to. And so I, it just sits there and it hangs. And then I find that, man, I'm getting, like, I, I start feeling tired. Because even though I'm not thinking about it all the time, I still know that I need to do it. And so it just sits there and hangs and it's lingering. And it's just like a dark cloud over your life because you know what needs to be done and yet you don't do it. But I've, there's so much encouragement that happens when you're faithful because if the person is following the Lord, they will receive that truth and they will thank you for having the courage to do what you just did. And you will walk away, man, and you will be like, man, the two of you will have this moment of prayer and this moment of power. And hopefully it is a moment where the kingdom is breaking out in another individual's life and you're getting to be a part of that because the Lord is using you in the midst of their lives. And here's what I found amazing about this experience recently is that um, I just started getting movement everywhere in my life when I was obedient to the call of the Lord that I knew the Lord was impressing upon me that these conversations needed to happen. And so, man, I, when I stepped into them and I had the courage to be on my way, how long, Jimmy, how long are you going to mourn over what I've asked you to do? And finally, I said, be on your way. And, and then I just just stuff started happening afterwards. And there were great meetings, nothing, nothing major, no watershed event. There was no great deep sin in anybody's life. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm just talking about truth and being honest and being vulnerable and speaking into someone's life. Why? Because you love them and you want to see them grow. You don't want to see them stuck on high center where they're at with the Lord. You want to see them get movement. And, and, and as I did that, man, like, all this movement started happening in my life. Why? It's because the obedience of the call of the voice of the Lord upon my life, that the Lord could honor that. But as long as I wasn't listening and being on my way, the Lord couldn't release the productivity in my life. <laughs> like, seek ye first the kingdom of Christ and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about all the things that you need to accomplish on the planet. Worry about what I'm asking you to do, and I'll help you with all that other stuff. See, what we try to say is, well, if I go to church, then I get up. No, man, the church is celebration of all that the Lord did in your life. When you come into this place on a Sunday morning, you ought to be celebrating all the movement that has been taking place in your life in the last week. Like the songs have, I mean, we ought to be able to get up here with a ukulele and play. 
And you ought to just be singing to the top of your lungs. Why? Because of all the movement that the songs are reminding you of. If the song is required to move you, bro, then something's wrong, right? Like, like, we ought to, like it doesn't matter where we're at. Like we ought to be in this place with the Lord, man, that we're, we're spontaneously looking at, look at the, what the Lord is doing in my life. And so I think the problem is, and I, and I think about this stuff a lot. And I look at the church and the, the church is sort of like, you look at the New Testament church and you see the power that it has. And, and you look at the church modern day, and I'm not talking just about our church, but I'm talking about the church in general. Um, and, you, and you see that it's lacking power. I think it's just that people are, aren't really coming to a clear understanding of what the Lord wants to do in their lives. And so this, this, this thing we come together for the encouragement and edification and, and what we're doing right now, it can often become a, a bit of a fix spiritually. I'm going to come in, I'm going to get in the church, man, I'm going to sit down and put it in me. They shoot me up on Jesus this week, Jimmy. When are you going to shoot somebody up on Jesus? When's the fruit going to come out of your life? Because that's what we're called to do. And so as we're walking in that obedience, man, sometimes we don't want to move. <laughs> but when we do and we get on our way, the mission becomes clear and the Lord starts moving. And what's, what's so cool about this story is the mission becomes the capstone of Samuel's career. Like he got to pick the king that, that the Lord wanted. David. And then look at all the incredible stories that we know that are surrounding around David and his love for the Lord. And all the incredible music. He was a creative person, gives us all the psalms, incredible wisdom, and the Lord just uses him in a mighty way. So sometimes you need to move when you don't want to move. Like, remember that. It's like, like, you won't want to move, and you got to look at that and go, I probably need to move here. Here's the second thing. Fear is a strong indicator that you have heard from the Lord. When you are afraid, that is a strong indicator that the Lord is asking you to do something. And, and it, is, it is the pressure of people on the outside of the kingdom. And it is the pressure of how the enemy is working in yourself that creates the fear. The Lord just asks you to do something. And it's like, ha, ah, I don't know if I can do that. Surely you can. How do I know that you can? Because it tells us in Philippians 4 thing that all things are possible for those who love Christ. Like in Christ, all that, they, all that the Lord asks us to do is possible. It is not an issue. And so when we see that there's fear in the Lord or fear in our lives, often because we're walking in obedience and fear shows up about something that we're like, we're looking at it and go, that's intimidating. I'm a little nervous about it. I mean, that, that's an indicator that you have heard from the Lord. And so like, you've got to keep talking to the Lord. He will help you with the courage. You're just like he did with Samuel. Samuel's like, ah, I will die if I do that. They will, like, it will cost me my life. And that's where the fear comes from for us is we think that it will cost us a bit of our life, a bit of our image, a bit of something. And so the Lord says, here's what I want you to do. Take a heifer and go sacrifice. And so obedient sacrifice unlocks step-by-step -step instructions for us. So the Lord says, I understand that you're afraid. Here's the one thing I want you to do, what you always do. 
You know you're supposed to be living a life of, of sacrifice, Samuel, that you are, you're showing to people how to walk and, and follow, uh, how to walk in the ways that I've taught and how to follow hard after me. And so just keep living that life. And so, and verses, um, uh, uh, the first part or the last part of verse two and verse three, we see um, that he says, uh, take the heifer and he says, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I love this. If you're taking notes, underline this. I will show you what to do. That's the way the Lord works. He shows us what to do. And so like when we're walking with the Lord and we don't have like Samuel didn't know what was going to happen. And when you're obedient to the Lord, you're not going to know all of the ins and outs of what's going to happen. But you are going to know enough to do what he's asking you to do in this moment, to step forward and just just be obedient. Obedient. And so um, obedient sacrifice unlocks step-by-step instructions. Here's the next one. When you walk in faith, you walk in authority. Samuel showed up and the people trembled. Why? Because he was walking in faith. And when you walk in faith, you will walk in spiritual authority in your life. We walk by faith. We, we, we walk by faith, not by sight. The problem is, is we're trying to say that we believe that verse, but we're walking by sight and not by faith because we're not doing anything that's requiring any spiritual courage to step out there and get out of our cozy zone, our comfortable and cozy place, and really allow the Lord to use us to do what? To make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the mission of the Lord, and it is how the power comes through us. The problem is, is we want the power for our mission and not the Lord's mission. But when we, when we start to walk in, in what the Lord is asking us to do, he will do what? He will take care of all those other things and give you the power that you need at work in order for you to seek the kingdom first. He's going to, he's going to put the power available that you need in order to accomplish what he has asked you to do. He's going to put that in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus in you, and as you walk that out in faith, then all of the other things that you're involved in that you need in order to be able to accomplish what it is that he's asked you to do, he's going to supply. That's why he taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Why? So that we can do the things that you want us to do. Not so that I can just have food, Like if you're praying for the Lord to meet your needs and you're not meeting any of the Lord's needs, it's a bit selfish, right? Because you have been saved, what? For good works to accomplish the mission of the kingdom. And so when when we're in that place and we start to walk that way, man, the authority of the Lord comes over our lives. And so like you walk in that authority and you walk into a situation and you realize even those situations I was describing earlier, I was like, man, like I have been fully equipped by the Lord to accomplish what he's asked me to accomplish. And so when I go into those and I know I'm having meetings like that, just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, you said this is what I'm supposed to do. So I need your authority to fall up on my life so that when I step into this situation that people can recognize it and that you're in it and that I can be encouraged by it. And the Lord, as we sang about this morning, he has never let me down. Like he's always there doing his thing. Here's the next one. Everyone can see your face. Only you and God can see your heart. Everyone can see your face. Only you and the Lord can see your heart. In verses six through 10, God chose the least likely for leadership within the kingdom. He started out low (laughs) and had fun while God elevated him. Now keep in mind, even after the call of God comes upon his life, it is at least a decade before he gets to really accept the position of king. 
And he knows that's the call on his life. He doesn't even do anything to orchestrate and make it happen himself. And we will see that as we can pr progress through Samuel is that he won't do anything to hurt the one that the Lord has put in a position of power. He waits for the Lord to put him in that place. And so the Lord just uses him in the midst of it. And so here's a question I have for you today. How would you change if you spent as much time on your inward abiding as you do on your outward appearance? I mean, it's so hard, Jimmy, to sit with the Lord. How much time did you take picking out your outfit this morning? Some of you, not very long. <laughs> <laughs> how much time do we take getting that breakfast ready? How much time do we take working out? How much time do we take putting on makeup, getting haircuts, fixing up our homes? Nothing, nothing wrong with any of those things. But yet we're trying to say, I don't have time to sit with the Lord. It's because we're too focused on the outward appearance and not the inward abiding. And just think about how your life would shift if you started trying to bring some balance in there and believing what the Lord said is that you can't produce fruit unless you are a part of me. And how, you, how do you be a part of me? You abide, you remain. Mino is the Greek word. You stay in there with me and you allow me to speak to you. You work from rest and I will pour forth my fruit in your life. Everyone can see your face. Only you and God can see your heart. So what's going on in there? Faithfulness in a little leads to a lot. Verses 11 and 12, he was caring for the sheep when God called him as king. Get this, man. Samuel rolls into town, everybody knows. Then Samuel rolls over to Jesse's and says, I'm here for your family. He said, we're gonna have a time of sacrifice. Bring your family together. Big deal, big deal. They didn't even invite him. <laughs> we play this victim card all the time. The Lord is, I'm getting left out. I'm getting, just saying, David's just out there taking care of the sheep. He doesn't have a care in the world about what else is going on and what everybody else is getting to do. He's probably out there writing one of the Psalms. Maybe he's out there writing the 23rd Psalm. And everybody else is worried about being at the party. Faithfulness to a little leads to a lot. And so what happens? The Lord doesn't leave him out. Is this all of them? Well, there's one more, but he's not fit. You're not going to pick this guy. Go get him. Go get David. David comes strolling in. He's the one. Pour the oil on him. And here we are talking about him today, thousands of years later. Saul was the people's king, but David's was the Lord's king. And because David was the Lord's king, there was not in anything on the planet that could keep him from the Lord using him how he wanted to. And then the last thing before we get to the big idea, the Spirit's power is the norm. And why do I say that? Because it says that, um, so Samuel took the horn and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Like from that day on, like it didn't leave him. And that wasn't the case in the Old Testament. Like usually the Spirit of God, like the Spirit of God came over Samson, boom, for a moment. And then it would leave. And then sometimes it would come back and it, for a moment and it would leave. 
But yet when we get to David, it it remained on him. And so David, when we see in the Old Testament, it was the exception for the spirit of God to fall upon somebody and remain. I'm reminded of Acts chapter one, verse eight. And Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power, the dunamis. It will fall upon you, the Spirit's power. I'm thankful today that walking in the power of the Spirit is normal for believers, not the exception. Like it is ours. It is the power of the Lord and in his mind to access in order to accomplish what? The purpose is to witness that the Lord uses the lowly to bring life to anyone who is willing to call upon the name of the Lord. So here's the big idea. It's always better to get what you need over what you want. And our problem is, is we're trying to get what we want And we're living like Mick Jagger says and saying you get what you need in the pursuit of what you want. What would happen if we just started looking at, I need to pursue what I need and let the Lord take care of my wants. Like this is all the truth of scripture. The psalmist says um, that he will fulfill the desires of our heart if we will commit ourselves unto his way. I think it's Psalm I'm not going to try to quote it because one of you will tell me I was wrong. But that's what the Lord wants to do. And so like what, what I want to encourage you to do is go, what, what's going on in my heart? And what does the Lord want to say to me? Where do I need to be on my way? What is he challenging me with in this moment? And I want to, like, I, I, like my greatest desire is for the veil to be lifted in your life. And you to see clearly how the Lord can use you to accomplish his mission to like make disciples. And, and that will look different for all of us how, how it plays itself out, but, but none of us can escape it. And so when it, when it happens, like man, w- when you start walking in that, guess what's gonna happen to me? I'm just gonna get more fired up. And guess what's gonna happen when I get more fired up and the Lord starts showing me more things? You're gonna get more fired up. And guess what's going to happen to, uh, uh, you know, I, don't, I won't call out names, but each person in the, it's going to be like popcorn, man. And eventually it's just going to keep popping and it's just going to come out of the pot. And then if it's, it's just more corn in there popping, it's, it's coming out. I will make you a wellspring of life overflowing. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.